everybody, and welcome back to Adoption Hacks. I'm your co-host, Callie Troyer, and today we're joined by Ali Haas from Bethel, China. You guys, I am so excited for this episode. My husband and I happened across Bethel, China a few years ago before we began our adoption process, and we just fell in love with the work they do and the kids they serve. Bethel cares for children across China who are blind or have significant visual impairment. They provide preschool services and adoption advocacy for children who have been orphaned, and they also provide preschool services and therapies for families raising blind children so that these families can get the education and support they otherwise wouldn't have. Over the past several months, I heard about Allie all around the China adoption community. Like every time I mentioned anything about blindness or China adoption or family preservation, people said, have you met Allie yet? So when I met her via Zoom a few weeks ago, I seriously felt like I was meeting a celebrity. Like, I'm pretty sure I turned bright red and everything. <laughs> um, but we had such a wonderful conversation that night, and I knew I wanted to share her wisdom with you guys too. Allie was so kind to join us for this interview and talk about how we, as an adoption community, can both support family preservation and advocate for children who need families at the same time. I hope you guys love this conversation as much as I did. Let's jump in. Well, hey, Allie, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Callie. Well, we are so excited to have you. When we first were talking about this episode, we had initially planned to have a family on here that had adopted a child who is blind or who has significant visual impairment. Um, but after our conversation a few weeks ago, I just realized how special that would be for our families here to get to hear that as well and to hear more about uh, orphan care on the global level as well. So to get started, just uh, tell us a little bit about you. Where are you? What is your role at Bethel China? Sure. So my name is Ali Haas. I've been living in Beijing, China for four years. Uh, for most of that time, I've been working for an organization called Bethel China that helps blind and visually impaired orphans and children um, in families that are struggling. I studied Chinese in college. So as soon as I graduated, hopped on that plane to Beijing. Uh, and unfortunately, right now, I am stranded in the United States while I wait to go back to China. Uh, my title is the development manager of Bethel. Uh, and basically, that means I do anything that involves speaking in English, as I'm the only person who speaks English in the organization. <laughs> Love it. Um, so we're going to obviously get a little bit deeper into who Bethel China is throughout this interview. Uh, but can you just tell us briefly, like, who is Bethel China? What do they do? I think the best way to explain what Bethel does is to share how Bethel was founded. We were started 17 years ago by a French couple who felt a calling to come to China and work with orphans. So when they got to China, they started just volunteering in state-run orphanages, and while they were in there, they saw three blind children sitting on the floor. And the husband had been teaching piano and the wife had been teaching English. And so they asked if these three blind children could come enter their classes and learn music and learn English. And the, they asked the staff and the staff said no. And they asked, well, why not? And they said, because they're blind, they can't do anything. And that really is what Bethel is all about fighting. We're about fighting this lack of understanding of what blind people can do. You know, in China, there's not many blind people or people with disabilities who have like a very prominent role in society. So a lot of what we're fighting or working against is just misunderstanding 
because most Chinese people don't see or don't really know much about people with disabilities. So they assume that, you know, if you can't see, then you'll never live an independent life, which is simply not true. So we work a lot with, uh, so actually those first three children that the founders saw right there in the orphanage, they took them back into their home and fostered them in their own apartment. Uh, and that's really how Bethel got started. And so they started bringing in more children from different orphanages from across the country. And all of a sudden it grew beyond their, like their tiny Beijing apartment. And then Bethel was born. So now we have five centers across China, four of them for orphans. One of them is a family preservation center. Um, we work to make sure that children who are blind have the opportunity to live the best possible life. How did you, I know you said you studied Chinese in college. Um, how did you find yourself in China and then specifically at Bethel, China? So when I first moved to China, I was working for a private education company and we were working directly with families and we were, one of the things we were supposed to do is help kids develop soft skills. So I would get all of these families who would come to us and say, please help my child with soft skill development. They are lacking in soft skills. And, you know, my boss would say, no problem, Allie is going to help your child, like, you know, give them a guarantee. And then we would meet the child. And, you know, both of my siblings had needed extra support when I was growing up in the school system. And so immediately, I could see that this kid, or these kids, a lot of them needed extra support that they weren't getting. And we couldn't say anything to the parents. Because, you know, that was, if we had said, you know, hey, we think your child's on the spectrum, we think your child may have some kind of delay, we would have gotten, like, our heads blown off. <laughs> and so we had to find really creative ways to work around that and then also provide the service we were supposed to be providing. So sometimes that meant me DIYing speech therapy with students who were had language delays. Uh, that sometimes that meant literal social skill classes with kids who were very obviously on the spectrum. Um, it, there was like a really wide range of things that we were doing that was not actually soft skill development. And so it became very clear to me that for whatever reason, children in China who needed the extra support that I saw my brother and sister get here in the United States, they weren't getting it in China. And so I decided I really wanted to do something about that and get more involved. And at around the time that I was becoming more passionate about this, I stumbled on Bethel China and the rest is history. <laughs> oh, I love it. Cause I feel like even my husband and I even just come into this conversation with you, we stumbled on Bethel China a couple years ago and just like, just the first time we saw anything about, it, I don't even know how we came across the website or their social media page. Like I have no idea how we found them. I just remember like seeing it and like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Like I'm so glad this organization exists. And so I think, especially right now, it feels like in the adoption community, there's this conversation happening about how adoptive families can be part of family preservation and be part of um, addressing the roots of why kids end up meeting families in the first place. Um, and again, this was a conversation my husband had 
my husband and I had shortly before we started our adoption process. And that's when we stumbled across Bethel China. And I'm so glad we did because I think just looking at your organization um, and how you care for families and for kids, you guys hold that in between space really well. Uh, and envisioning this world and equipping these families to stick together, but also advocating for kids who need families now. And so I'd love to talk about both of those things, but first let's start with the family preservation side of the work sure. that you guys do. Um, so what is family preservation and how is Bethel China meeting the specific needs of families in China? Well, first of all, thank you for following Bethel and supporting our family preservation efforts. Um, it really is, you know, a lot of small people and individuals who, you know, come together, you know, either sponsor children at Bethel or make small contrib contributions to Bethel's work. And that's really what makes it all happen. So thank you for that. Family preservation is really just what it sounds like. It's this idea that we get to the root cause of why children are being abandoned in orphanages and we prevent them from happening so that their family can stay together, so we can preserve that family. Uh, you know, Bethel for about 14 years, 15 years, was focused almost exclusively on orphan care, which is so essential and important, and we'll talk about that later, but, you know, it's not causing, it's not solving the root of the problem. The root of the problem wasn't, you know, that children in orphanages need families. The root of the problem was that, families were giving up their children. And so currently right now in, Ch in China, the current average age of abandonment is four years old. And what that tells me, that and the fact that 80% of children in Chinese orphanages are boys with special needs, tells me that families who have children with special needs are trying everything they can to make that work. And it's like, for whatever reason, it's not working in the home and that they need extra help and that they need extra support. And so our family preservation efforts really kind of started really uh, informally. We started first by, we had a few families who came to us and asked if their kids could attend the preschool along with our orphans. And we just said yes. And, you know, we, we squeezed them into a couple of class slots. Um, and we had about five or six children just squeezed into the classrooms with the orphans. And then we started doing some trainings across the country. So maybe we would do three or four trainings across the country each year. But that really wasn't enough. And so now we have an entire center in Beijing that's dedicated to family preservation. So this preschool in Beijing uh, has about, about 20 to 30 uh, children from families attending the school at any given time. Um, all of these children have visual impairments. And as far as we are aware, we are the only preschool in all of China that will accept children who have visual impairments and multiple, uh, multiple disabilities. And so what that means to us is that while the Chinese government has done a lot in the last few years to develop, you know, uh, physical therapy hospitals, a lot of therapy options, a lot of options within hospitals for therapies that, you know, families can bring their children to like a few times a week. But and you know, also uh, creating more and more schools for children with disabilities. We're still not at the point where all children are included in the Chinese school system. We're still not at the point where all children from all families, especially low-income families in rural areas, have a place to go to school and to learn the kind of life skills they need to live an independent life. And so while 
I think that China will make a lot of progress in this over the next five, 10 years. Right now, there's still a lot of families who are struggling. And when a place like Bethel opens up and intervenes, those children don't end up in the orphanage. They don't ever need to be adopted in the first place. And that's a whole trauma that we can take away. We don't have to ever have them go through that kind of trauma. Can you tell us just a little bit about um, the services you guys offer at Bethel? So are you working directly with the children? Are you working with the children and their families? Like what kind of things are you working on? So we work with the children and the families. So our main project is the preschool, like, like I said. Um, so that provides an uh, opportunity for children who have multiple disabilities um, and have nowhere else to go to school. Or this is for children who maybe come from a low-income family. So we have scholarships available for families who maybe could not afford other options in their area. And then we also work with the parents. So every night when the kids go home, the kids don't also only have homework, but the parents have homework as well. And so, you know, throughout the day, the teachers are always like writing reports and sending messages to parents and telling them what they're working on. And then we give the parents homework. Okay, your homework is to help this child with their braille for 20 minutes. This, their homework is maybe the child um, is really delayed and needs to practice walking. So we need to practice walking for at least, you know, 20 minutes. And so we make sure that the parents are just as involved in the child's development and growth and education as our teachers are. In addition to the preschool, we do a lot of trainings. So right up to COVID, we were doing about one training a month where we either bring experts from the Beijing expat community or uh, the other, all around China, there's all these expats with great experience who came and did trainings. Um, we brought training uh, experts in from Taiwan to do trainings. We've brought people all the way from the United States to do trainings with families. So we can do a lot of trainings in our Beijing space. And then we try to go as well to other parts of the country so we can access more people. Okay, so you guys are all over China. You've got the center in Beijing, but all over working with families in China. Yeah. All right, so we mentioned that Bethel was founded to care um, for orphaned and vulnerable children, specifically in orphanages. Um, and you said that's still a large part of what Bethel does. Um, so we talked about family preservation. So how is Bethel meeting the needs of children in orphanages who are blind or who have visual impairments? So we have four centers for children who are blind or visually impaired. And these centers are within state-run orphanages. So we collaborate directly with the government and we open up centers within that space. Uh, and essentially they are classrooms within the orphanage. In some of them, uh, the children have foster families to go back to at night and on weekends. And some of them, they go back to the orphanage on nights and weekends. So it's really a collaborative effort. And so that kind of has two benefits. So one, we can go directly into the orphanage and we can care for these children, which means we can care for more children um, than we could if we were pulling them outside of the orphanage. And the other benefit is that we can set an example for the rest of the orphanage. So when uh, my favorite story is when we started in one orphanage, there were no bathrooms in any of their classrooms. And so we went in and we renovated our classroom to have bathrooms. And they asked, why would you do that? And we said, so we can potty train the children. And also it's more convenient for the teachers, right? They have to go to the bathroom. And they said, but none of your children will ever be able to be potty trained. They're blind. And they really believed that children who were blind could not be potty trained. And so we said, oh, yes, we can potty train every single one of them. And they said, no, you can't. You're wasting your money. So we built the bathrooms, potty trained every single one of the children in our classroom. And then 
the orphanage staff saw that and was like, oh my goodness, these children can be potty trained. So they went ahead and they renovated all of the classrooms in their orphanage to have bathrooms so that they could start potty training. Uh, and that was 10 years ago. So obviously a lot more kids have had the opportunity to be potty trained since then. Um, but we're really proud of the influence we can have on uh, or the orphanage staff and then the way that they're also taking care of kids. And then we can also influence the care of more orphans. Oh my goodness, I love that. So you guys are not just meeting kids where they are and families where they are, but also the staff and really like very slowly like changing the culture inside the orphanages and around kiddos with. Exactly. So just to clarify for our listeners, does Bethel facilitate adoptions? So Bethel technically is not part of the adoption process, but we do advocate for all of our children to be adopted we really feel at Bethel that the best environment for a child to grow up in is in a loving family and to have that family support them, um, you know, for the rest of their life. And that is the best way for them to have a full and meaningful life. So if you want to adopt a child from Bethel, the best way to do that is to reach out to an adoption agency in your local country in the United States. There's lots of great adoption agencies um, and then they can help you uh, find that child's file at Bethel and then bring that child into your home because it really does change a child's life. Perfect. And if there's any questions, if a family has, um, you know, if they've seen a child on the website and they're interested, is there someone at Bethel that they can contact as well? Yes, they can contact me. Uh, so they can email me at ali at bethelchina.org or they can just send us a contact through the website contact page as well. Okay. And we're happy to share any information about a child's development or their personality with prospective families. Okay, perfect. Yeah, I know it can be a little bit overwhelming for families just starting when they're trying to navigate the shared list and different agencies and all of that. So just so they have a resource just in case. So I think I remember from our last conversation before um, that you had not started out working with kids who were blind or who had visual impairments before coming to Bethel. Um, so what are some of the unique joys and challenges that you found working with um, these kids that Bethel cares for? So before I started working at Bethel, I'd worked with a lot of kids with other special needs, but I never worked with kids who were blind or visually impaired. And I don't know where I got this mentality from, but I, I thought it was no big deal. <laughs> In my mind, it was like, okay, they're blind. And I guess I've seen so many examples of successfully independent blind adults in Western culture that, and you know, in my community that I had never really thought it would be something that would prevent them from having, living a fulfilling and full life. So uh, when I got there, I, I didn't really think about the blindness part. I was thinking about all of the other needs that I was seeing because we had a lot of children with, you know, delays and who had other special needs in addition to, uh, or other disabilities in addition to uh, being blind. So those were the ones I was worrying about. Uh, and so I've learned so much about how creative uh, teachers of blind children are and how interesting teaching them can be. And I remember just there was one boy in particular who was completely blind and was just as crazy and you know wild as any eight-year-old boy you would see, it, even though he couldn't see himself. You know, he was running around, he was leading everyone, he was uh, you know, creating these wonderful worlds with his imagination for everyone to join in and play with him uh, in. And it was just so incredible to be a part of that uh, and to see him kind of 
grow from this child who was really scared and timid when we first met him to a kid who was just flourishing under loving care. Because that's, I think, really for these children, I know blindness can sound really scary, but what they really need more than anything is stable, loving care. And that's why we advocate so hard for these children to be in families. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so what are some of the ways, because you mentioned how creative some of the teachers can be. So what are some things to, for the teachers, what are they mindful of when working with kids who are blind? How is that different than a child learning in an orphanage that may have delays but is not blind or visually? Yeah, so if you think about just how the way that you and I learned from our parents when we were growing up, we learned by watching them and then imitating, right? So for example, something as simple as learning to walk. We watched our parents take steps and then we then imitated that movement with our own feet. So if you can't see, you're you're at that little disadvantage because you can't watch and imitate. So when working with blind children, uh, it's really, you would think that they're at a huge disadvantage, but when in reality, all you have to do is, you know, move their foot and show them that movement and then they learn to walk. And it's really the same with everything else that they learn to do with cooking, with orientation and mobility, uh, with cleaning, like anything that you can imagine that, you know, you would teach to your own children by showing them and then them imitating you. It's simply a matter of showing them with your hands, right? Showing them by moving their own hands or moving their feet or, you know, helping them, you know, guiding them through that movement a few times. And then, and then they learn it. Um, my favorite thing that we do at Bethel is we use a lot of puffy paint. So we have this really great uh, map on the wall when you first walk into Bethel and it's complete, every line on the map, like every country's borders have been outlined in puffy paint so that the children, if they wanted to, they could feel the map with, the, with their hands. We have a globe that is also puffy painted and we just, like there's so many little details throughout Bethel that have puffy paint all over them so that the children can interact with them as well, which I think is really cool. Oh, I love that so much. Um, Our little guy has, uh, he learns a little bit differently as well. Um, And so it's just been, I've been thankful for people who have kind of helped us start to see that the way we do things is different, but it's just different. It's no better. It's no worse. It's just different, but just taking the time to kind of help us understand some of those little creative things with our son that I'm like, Oh, I never would have thought about that. But I'm like, you know, and just start picking those things up. So I always say that if you're crafty, you can teach kids who are blind. (laughs) So what advice we talked a little bit about the, the challenges and joys. Um, but what advice would you give to families who may be filling out that medical needs checklist as part of their home study and they are considering checking yes to a child who is blind or who has visual impairment? I would definitely recommend that they do some research and they first learn what kind of resources they have in their area for children who are blind or visually impaired. So all schools in America are required to provide a braille teacher and an orientation and mobility teacher to a child who is blind or visually impaired in their school district. So there are definitely resources out there, um, but reach out to those resources and talk to them about what it would look like if you brought this child into your home, because I think you'd realize it's a lot simpler than you thought before. I would also talk to families who've done it before, who've walked this road. There's so many amazing families who love sharing their experiences about their own adoptions, about raising a child who is blind, and want to encourage others to do the same. 
because there's so many children who are blind who are waiting simply because families are really scared of that blindness diagnosis, of that visual, imp visual impairment diagnosis. But it's one of the easiest diagnoses to probably to, to deal with because all it requires is creativity and just doing things a little bit differently. Perfect. I think, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think, does, did Bethel have a book that came out that shared stories of families who had adopted kiddos that were cared for by Bethel? Yes, the uh, ebook is available on Amazon and it's called Exposed to Hope. Uh, I think it's about $3 and all of those proceeds from the sales of that ebook go directly to supporting Bethel's work. Okay, and we'll it shares include that link in the show notes. Oh, awesome. It shares 13 stories of families who've adopted children from Bethel and they're, it's a really inspiring read. I cry every time I read it. Oh my goodness. Yes, I got it and like started reading it and I think I started crying and I was like, I'm just, <laughs> I have to take this slowly, um, but we will definitely include those, those notes um, in the show notes. Um, so how can families get involved and support Bethel China? So there's a lot of ways you can get involved uh, in supporting Bethel. Uh, you can go to our website and you can sponsor a child. So you can look through, like our, we have a, a gallery of all the children in our care, and then you can sponsor a child. You'll get uh, updates every three months, see how that child's doing, what they're learning, and you can like really get involved and grow attached to a child that way and feel like you're really making an impact. Um, you, of course, can always consider adopting from China, adopting a child who is blind. We, you know, every time a child is adopted from Bethel and we've had over 200 children adopted, it just makes our hearts sore to know that that child has a chance to have a, like a full life that's full of love and support in a forever family. But we understand that adoption isn't for everyone. And that's why we have sponsorship options. Um, you can donate to Bethel in particular to our family preservation programs. Um, you could follow us on Facebook or share us with, uh, with your friends. And I love seeing even some of the families who have adopted from Bethel, China, like come together and form this community that like really gets involved in other ways too, so that more children can find families. Like I've seen them create grants and advocate for these kids. And it's just so cool to see. Yeah, so actually, that's a, an amazing example. Uh, Kimberly Schildbach, who has adopted two of her four blind daughters from Bethel, uh, she started an organization called Love at Last Grants. So you can follow them on Facebook or Instagram. And they're just amazing because they are raising money for grants for children who are older which means that they will soon age out of the adoption system in China. So all children, when they hit 14 by Chinese law, can no longer be adopted. So the idea is that the more money we raise for these children for their adoption grants, the more likely a family is to come forward and to be able to complete the paperwork in time to get them home uh, and into a loving family. So you should definitely check them out as well. Perfect. Well, we will be sure to link them in the show notes as well, along with um, your all social media page and your website as well. Um, Thank you. It's been so good to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for sharing about your work at Bethel China and everything that Bethel's doing. Well, thanks so much for having me. Thank you.